You're tuned into the AMO Show, a podcast created by attorney Matthew Ori. As a way to explore the basic concepts of mindset, negotiations, networking, and leverage in the simplest terms as possible, but no simpler. Our goal is to fill the gaps left by formal education through real-life experiences in order to better ourselves as individuals. Welcome to the AMO Show. Today's guest is Jonathan Terrell, who happens to be the athletic director at Nichols State University. I'm extremely excited about today's podcast. JT is a guy that you just can't help but to like. As a matter of fact, if you don't like him, something's probably wrong with you. I suggest you guys listen to this show. You're going to hear everything about him, what makes him a fantastic individual, a fantastic athletic director, and the philosophy he brings to the academia world coming from a whole new perspective from the business world. We're super excited to have him, and we're going to turn it over now to our guy, JT. JT, so glad you're here, man. Glad to be here. Matt, you're yes, always sir. here. Do you ever leave the office? I do. But I got really, really, really excited about this podcast because we're going to have some fun. And I want everybody to know this is completely unscripted, impromptu, and I'm setting JT up throughout this entire podcast. Setting him up. I'm ready for it. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm always ready for setup. When an, when an attorney or a policeman tells you that he's setting you up, that's not a good thing. Yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Real long time. In fact, I was adamant that JT would be the very first guest on this podcast. Outside of Man Overseas, who's actually the co-host, so he doesn't count. But we ended up having to start one episode uh, due to hurricane work, informative episode, but you are literally the first chosen guest on like this. That. Yeah, who would have special? Who would have thought? thought. <laughs> we, we have a hell of a relationship that we'll, ex we'll explore and, and publicize as we go on with this. But seriously, JT, one of the reasons I wanted you here, uh, one, I love you as a person. Two, I think you're going to do a fantastic job as the AD, but I find it fascinating how you got to Nichols. You played ball at Nichols. Yes, in sir. when? 1944? 1993. <laughs> 93, I figured he would say 48. Were we but born in 93? Nine, no, you bunch of puppies. <laughs> uh, 93 and uh, 97 to 97, coached in 98, and uh, went and started coaching at Brother Martin. I coached, I coached as a student assistant in 1997. I broken wrist, couldn't play anymore, coached. Coach Rebo was on the staff. And, Get out. Uh, yeah. And what, how, what capacity? He was the defensive, he was a defensive back coach and I was the wide receiver coach. Mm. So we and go And now back. you're his boss. And now I'm his boss. We're going to touch on that. Is yeah. that weird? It's not. How? I think there's a respect, like automatically that we have for each other. Here's what I do know. So I worked for a really close friend of mine at my previous job. She was really close. We were really close. Her husband and I were really close. And the one thing that she said to me was... I need you to understand that we're business and please don't get your feelings hurt when I tell you you're no good at what you just did. <laughs> Swear she told me that. And I said, I'm coachable. So if as long as you can be coachable, no matter what, at what point I was great. So is here coach, I am. Is coach Rebo coachable? Coachable. He this needs some coaching. He needs some coaching. Listen, it is, I guess for some people, they walk in and they go, so how are you going to tell him? And I go, that's our relationship. Sort of like me and you, Matt. Yeah, so let me tell you something about these two, <laughs> and, and, and JT as well. Don't think I ever get a call about, hey, man, how's it going today? And that's it, right? Like, it may start as how it's going, and I'm thinking, what do they want? What happened? What, what's, what's my role here? Advice, right? <laughs> I need some. Yeah, advice. Yeah. We'll call it advice. <laughs> we'll call it advice. So anyway, tell me about it, JT. We're in the midst of starting the basketball season. I've, I've had the pleasure of going to the first exhibition game, which was really cool, by the way. Uh, we played LSU, played a fantastic game. They pulled away at the end, but those dudes were they were legit, man. And I'm talking about us. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about us. So I went to Puerto Rico to watch us. And I can tell you this. We had a trip to Puerto Rico in the summer and that was right when we got all of the players that was the first opportunity they've ever been really together and kudos to austin coach clonch because i cannot tell you how hard it must be to have only three people left that played for you the year before and to look like you've been together 
for months at a time is just it's 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 tremendous. It's unbelievable. Well, look, that coach has more energy than probably anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. This guy's got to go straight to sleep after a game. <laughs> he does it. I watched him drink coffee, Matt. I get it. He's excited. He's yeah. a he's a he's fun to watch. Coach, if that he makes is. sense. No, you I, see it, you feel it. And his dad right. sat right by us for the game, and I kept looking to my right. Nobody introduced me, <laughs> and I'm looking. I'm like, How does he look so familiar? He looks just like his he son. Looks just yeah, spitting image, and uh, he he had some energy too. This basketball team is unbelievable. Every time you hear us play somebody like an LSU. Uh, if you heard their head coach say, I picked Nichols to win the Southland Conference, we played UL in a scrimmage, and you hear them, they were picked to win the Sun Belt. And were we they beat really? Them, yes, and we picked them, and we beat them by seven. I am t- and they're not only just really good basketball players. I got to spend a week with them. They're great kids, great student athletes. Love to be around them. Three seasons ago, I started going to games again. Sure. And it was fun. And then COVID hit, of course. We kind of yeah. – how many games last year? Very few. Not a, not a lot. Not many people could go. Correct. So, we skip a year. So, so this would be year, season three. I am all excited. And what I can't wrap around my head, and I want you to answer this question or give me your thoughts on it at least, what more in the hell do we have to do here on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night? It's such a great thing to get out, do something, get the kids off the iPad, the electronics, et cetera. How do we do it? In my head, I can't wrap around – why aren't we feeling this? Let me tell you something before you answer this. Go You're going to remember this. Go ahead. Brad, you probably do too. You know when I saw Stowe for the most packed in my life? When? Andre Brown versus Randy Livingston. Newman mm, versus Vanderbilt. Yeah. There was not an empty seat in that Stouffer. And then when Coach Ricky was there, we had Reggie Jackson, Gerard yeah, King. Yeah. Who am I missing? Uh, it's Who's Reggie, that? Gerard. Who's the guard? And it was the guard. Uh, uh, Edit. <laughs> Who was the goal? You should. You would know this uh, type of stuff. I know, I so know. that's when I was in school. Man, I, I'm so bad. This is terrible. We were at Edie White at the time. They shut down. I say shut down. Whatever period it was, they stopped it. And we had this Channel One. They called it every class yes, in the morning. Gotcha. Got, yes, yes. We had us versus Virginia. <laughs> we yes, got to we watch. To the- and look, we we were up. I think two or down two. At half, half. They end up pulling away, but we were right there, man. It's so it's crazy. So you know what I remember most about that time? If they scored a hundred points, you got free French fries. That's right. You remember that? I do. Okay, guess. so guess what I'm doing? I'm bringing <laughs> the French fries back. No nachos. I'll say this, I, and I I am a nacho connoisseur. Before my brother died, you know what he bought me? You gonna love this? What? An industrial size can of cheese. Love it. He had the red and white trays they go in and chips as big as this wall. I'm referring to a wall that's significantly big. But he was giving me nachos for the hunting season. So everywhere I go, it was our thing. I would go around. I would, no matter what ballpark we at, football, baseball, basketball, I'm going to get those nachos. You know who's got the best? Stouffer. You know why? Which, by the way, the line is (laughs) so long. Let me hear. Let me hear. It's legitimate cheddar cheese. It's got the the tinfoil on the bottom, which for whatever reason – it, it does. It's got the same old school plates, and it's not overwhelming with jalapenos. But either way, it is the best nacho. So if we score 100, I will go on record that saying AMO will buy everybody nacho. But seriously, what else can we do? The only One of the things I can think of is music and energy. Let me jump ahead. You just hired Coach Silva, right? right? Hmm. At Tech, if you look at the last three years – they are, they've had some pretty amazing years, but their energy at a game, and I'm talking baseball, by the way, for those who are listening, is crazy energy. It's music, music, music. And I feel like with the proper, I don't, maybe it is a DJ, I don't know. You're almost making it like an ancillary event, but you were there to throw down party. The horn, you know, NBA sure. games are really fun like that because the music's constantly pumping. But if people just go, I know they're coming back. We're in the entertainment business. Let's be real. Yeah. Right? And so they're going to love the product that's on the field, on, on the court. We are spending a lot of time with music, with, uh, it's called Game Sounder or one of these programs. Uh, it, volleyball has never been what it's been this year. We had student engagement. We have a student group that we work with in athletics leaders to help get the students there here's the big deal if we get our student athletes to support each other and the students on campus to go because we have to give them something fun to do now 
right? So they were hitting volleyballs over into a bucket or something like that. If they do that, if we can fill the bottom bowl, the volleyball, it sound, the Southeastern coach looked at us and said, I will pay anything to have this. I, that's going to change for basketball because we're spending our time focusing on our student-athletes supporting each other because, Matt, you were a student-athlete. I knew your pain. I don't really like baseball, meaning I don't know a lot about it. I go watch baseball for the people who are working so hard to be there. And so we say the same thing to our student-athletes. You need to support each other. We'll get the students there. We'll give them stuff. T-shirts, pizza, nachos that you're going to give them when they score right. 100 points, right? I may go to 80. That's <laughs> what we can do. But let me ask you this. Yeah. I've, I've talked about this with you before. You've got all these wonderful concepts. I'm saying just someone in general. And then I go to JT about it. I think a lot of people don't understand the bureaucracy behind these decisions. For instance, JT, I'm going to give you X amount if they score 80, 80 points a game. And you go, and that's wonderful. But <laughs> I got to jump about 19 hoops to get there. So for me, as the donor or someone who wants to get involved, you sometimes get frustrated because you're going, it's not so simple. You're just saying, guys, go score 100. We got to work harder this week because we got to buy a bunch of nachos. So the red, the red tape that comes, that comes with everything, right? Whether it's um, you giving me that and you say, can you just say it's done by AMO and blah, 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 right? And I'm going, mm, it might be a contract deal that I might have to break in order to get that done. Or it might be this or it might be that. There's always something. And so we always want to take your money and we always want to do what's best because that's what you want. Is just trying to find the fastest way to do it. It's not only frustrating for you. Well, but people need to understand too. Not only that, then they don't understand. It's not just an earmarked donation. I'm using an example to basketball. There's a women's basketball team. There's a women's softball team. And nothing against women or gender no, no. or anything of that nature. I'm just saying all that is accounted for in a decision. Title IX goes into everything that we do, right? And so every decision that we make as an athletic administration, we make it based on everybody and so people get really frustrated because they go well, i don't care about that sport and i'm going you don't have to answer to the feds i do not only that i care about them right they're my student athletes i have 310 of them and when their parents send them to me i go we're going to treat them fair and we're going to give them the experience of a lifetime well i can't do that if every dollar that we spend is on a baseball and a basketball and a men's football team Moving right along, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> men's football, yes, men's football, men's football. The, football. The, the football I team. I got you on that. One. We got some exciting news. We obviously the end zones completed. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And is there another project on the horizon? There is another project on the horizon. I want you to disclose as much as you can about I that can. project. So uh, <laughs> on the back on the back of the Book Vault Athletic Complex will be a cl uh, covered practice facility. It will be 120-yard turf field. We are going to benefit more than just football. It will have uh, lines for soccer. So if soccer gets drained out, they will have a place to practice. Um, they also now will play on turf because of the facility at Thibodeau. Right, right, right. Health systems. And then also we're talking about having our students. We always want to talk about the whole trying to make them a part. We want to get them to be at our places. What do we do? So intramural flag football championship on the turf, enclosed. And so I think our partnership with, with academia and up front, uh, I always talk about one team, one goal. I just can't talk about it. I have to be about it. We will have, and I will say it, we will have as an FCS school the nicest facilities in the country. I believe it. And look, I was so damn fired up. Where was I? I text you. Oh, yeah. This was about, well, I don't know, half a year. I, I forget where we went. We came back from a trip. I get back, oh, yeah. and I'm passing the football stands. It was a day like today. Beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> and I remember, I looked to my left, and then I looked again. I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hold on. Finally. Brad, you don't know JT. My one request, he's you know he's going through the application process, and I think we all knew JT was going to get hired. But anyway, the football stadium, the very center of Thibodeau, and it was damn near green. You know, it hadn't been pressure washed since JT's time there in '44. 
but <laughs> I passed back this summer. So this is where it gets good. This is typical JT and Matt relationship. So I see it, and the whole outside's done. I said, that, that's great. I said, you want a cookie, but uh, what about the inside? When's that going to be done? <laughs> Which it is, by the way. He's like, God damn. Could you let me finish? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I've been waiting a while. He's already on the next one. I'm like, can you give me a hug and say good job on the outside? He's like, no, no. Like, when do you think the inside's going to be done? <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to love about him, right? Yeah. Next project. Talking about GoFundMe accounts, and I was dead serious. It's like. Maybe if all the Fouche Parish gave $2. You did. And I th- still think it would work. We'll save that for another project. We'll save that one for another. That it could get done. But he got it done quicker than. Well, I can tell you. So uh, with the help of the Fouche Parish and the parish president. I agree. So let me stop you right there. Go I want ahead. to talk about that because it's very important. I think that our parish president's very enthusiastic, doing a really good job, especially right now with all the chaos going on. But he has done a good job, and I think he'll continue to do so. I have a question, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the labor for that job was provided by the sheriff's office. Correct? Yeah, for the outside, 100%. Okay, so this is my, my beef, and I think the whole town feels this way. And I'm not, this has nothing to do with a knock on the sheriff by any stretch. I deal with these same people all the day that I generally call my friends, and people will never understand that. Some of my favorite clients through life have been my criminal. I say that in quote clients right. because it's people who have made mistakes. Some have been worse than others, but they're definitely not all bad people by any stretch. 100%. They just needed guidance. There's, there's different reasons. However, my point is some of them are really good workers, and you know what? They want to get out there. They want to work. They want to, I think they should be developing work ethic while they're in there, incentivizing good behavior, good work ethic, because it's building your character for when you get out. Why in the hell is it so hard, or maybe it's not, why don't we see that everywhere? You know, these guys want to be out there. They want to work. It, it, it gives them back a sense of community. And I never can understand what's the reason. I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. For, for us, when they came, because we couldn't get them at first, right? Uh, COVID had an issue with it. They, you know, they couldn't be around. We have all of these student, students on campus, so you have to make sure that everybody's safe and protected and all of this stuff. But I can tell you this. They drove those two man lifts okay and parked them rico let us have them so we could use them right and they looked at me and said okay jt and if you can put them in place this is how they work i'm not i'm notching you and i i remember getting on one and driving it right and all i said was I sure in the hell hope one of these dudes know how to work this. So they got there, two dudes. No, way. I had four lifts at the time, two small ones and two big ones, 40, uh, 140 feet or whatever. Rode them. You Dang. understand me? And so one of them was worked offshore. One of them worked, and we became, and you say friends. I had a relationship, right? Yeah. And, uh, they had lunch every day from Chick-fil-A. That uh, Dr. Kloon made sure that was there at 12 yep. o'clock. I went by. I spoke to him. I thanked them often because they did an unbelievable job. Well, you know, the, the, my, my criminal clients in the past have been some of the most grateful clients that you have at the end of the day. Because nobody ever really fought for them before. But it, it, this, is, this is a whole nother podcast. Oh, I can get that. But it really pisses me off to see. I, I can see so many of these people, so much talent, smart people. They just never had a piece of guidance in their life. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about from birth. That's right. No guidance. No chance. Just a little, and their life would be changed. They're not bad people. They've never been instructed or taught or cared. You know what probably the worst thing is? Cared for is the best word. I was word. about to say that. Cared for. That's it. Just somebody that gave a damn if they did good or have, did a really good job on a project or made an A or did whatever. They never heard that in their life. You, you receive... You receive compliments for what you do, right? And I don't know, I don't give you many compliments. No, you But never. you receive compliments for what you do because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's it. And as soon as they know you care, they're in. Right? They are. They, it, get, they get locked in because that might be the only time that they've ever been cared for. Yeah, I mean, it gets frustrating because then you personally invest in it and you take that shit home with you at night and that phone never gets out of my hand because I'm terrified I'm going to miss an email or if I do. And, and as much as I want to change that about me, I really don't. You know what I mean? At Fair the end enough. of the day, I, there's so many people I look at, I'm going, dang, I wish I had a, they're laid back. They're, that guy's cool as hell. Why well, I'm not. You know, I want what I want. I want to go get it when I want to get it. Sure. And if you get in my way, we tangle. 
you probably got a lot of that in you too, except for the facet that always, this is my, my thoughts on JT when we, when we laugh about each other. If you don't like JT, something's wrong with you. If you don't like me, you probably got a good reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of where I draw the line. I ain't going to think you're crazy if you don't like me. You, ben Boudry, I say that about him all the time, too. If you don't like Ben, it's kind of like JT. What the hell's wrong with you? Shane Bodian. You don't like Shane? Shane? Shane, ever? Shane. Shane's it's awesome. One of my best friends. I love Shane. That's what I'm saying. Like, how could you, you not say, like Shane? How would you ever say, man, I don't like that guy. Like, what the fuck is wrong with <laughs> you, man? Right. Exactly right. Get it from me, but <laughs> him? <laughs> Why would you say that? So fair, but it's so true. Fair. It is. It is. So I appreciate that. <clears throat> Bradley was sharing some information to me this weekend. Is he's prepping for this podcast, and I refuse to. I'm like, no, it's going to be much better. Just let it fly, <laughs> right? And in the administrative role, what do you look for? We all look for certain things on who you would hire, who you wouldn't. What's something that you particularly dive into? Somebody sits in front of you tomorrow, all right? They're applying for a job with Nichols through the athletic department. They got to go through you. Is there anything before they sit down or when they sit down that you can immediately draw an X based off of something he or she did or didn't do? So it's, it, that is a really good question. Well, don't you dare say facial stubble because we both got that. <laughs> We're not interviewing. Matt's, Matt's out. No, it's definitely like it, – it's so, it's so crazy because I've focused so hard on hiring good people, right? And so the one thing for me is conversation and eye contact. And if it's hard for you to have a conversation, I think that you're thinking about the answer and it's, you're not fluent. It's not uh, authentic, and I look for the authentic part of a person. And I, it is. It's, it's who I am, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I, I'm telling you right now, I will say this, not because I hired him. I truly believe this. Mike Silva is a great man. He's an animal. Okay. Justin Lewis is a great man. Like, like this is a people that when I go in a meeting, I go... I look around and go, man, I am surrounded by good people. I want them to be smarter than me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, no. Break it to him. Tell him what we found out about him, what we know that he looks for in a hire. Or if they it. have any dirt under any fingernail, oh, 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 they are dismissed oh, immediately. I, B, listen to me. <laughs> you can, my, if, my ch- if my children come here right now, three girls. Right? Not Jacob. They all love me. They, they, love, they love Uncle Matt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to probably buy him a car. So. Anyway, if they come right now, 100%, their nails are going to be done or not. But they won't be chipped. Yeah. Right? Like, it says something about you taking care of yourself because, sure. Matt, when somebody walks up to the front of your office and they see somebody that doesn't look as professional as you was like them, then how are they going to treat the office? Well, it's true, man, and I, I feel like people, the little bitty things, you don't have to wear expensive clothes, you don't have to wear nope. expensive shoes, but there's no cost in keeping up in the upkeep or making sure you somewhat fit in your clothes. Your presentation, you expect me to handle a million-dollar case for you and I look like I came off the, out of a garbage can. That's not going to work. I feel the same way with an office. This office is always clean. The table, every time somebody gets up, there's Windex behind it. I'm shooting you with Windex. <laughs> right. But that stuff's super important to me. Right. So, Well, you've talked about hiring and having your shoes polished. Yep. If the shoes aren't polished, your job application is not considered. It's, yeah. it, 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 you, you can control it. Petty. You know what I mean? It just you me? What? I thought I was petty. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> but, but, but listen, those things, those things to me are so important. They're important to you because you're talking about the culture of your office. It is. Is that why you're trying to get Coach Rebo to get you guys back wearing the ponies that you wore in 93? <laughs> Do they Look still make them? <laughs> I just don't want you to ever forget where you came from. I remember those cleats. <laughs> I swear I do. I remember the ponies back in the day and the jerseys that just were seven times too big. Oh, I don't bad. know how you didn't trip on yourself running down the field. So like bad. Catches over your knee or something. So bad. Oh, damn. I, but, boy, it's come I had better. I had better shoes in high school when I came to the university thinking – Man, I'm about to be hooked up. Oh, no. No, sir. I called home and I was like, and my mom was and dad were both like, no, no. That's the shoes I gave you? That's the shoes you're wearing? <laughs> they just would not. And then we went to Nike 
by the time we're in August, and I would never be so excited, man. <laughs> Holy smokes, ponies. So you're going back to the ponies, or? Uh, are we going, hey, listen, I, I tell them all the time. <laughs> Just a little reminder, bro. I don't want you to <laughs> <laughs> <Here some> ponies. <laughs> Just like you're 14 my ounces a little heavier than what you're currently wearing, but that's all right. Your 4'4 okay. four four was my 4'6. Your calves would be really nice. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, JT, let's talk about the recent hire. Coach Silva comes in, and Brad and I always have been and will always be very grateful for our Coach Thibodeau's time. We're going to remain good friends. We love him. I know you love him, et cetera. The fact of the matter is we got a new coach. And I remember your enthusiasm. I was in Alaska, and you called me, and I knew if you called, you found somebody. JT calls, and he says, man, I – I found our guy. I said, oh, yeah, who, he's talking about Coach Silva, and we're going through and through. And if you, Have you met him yet, Bradley? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> think I'm bad. <laughs> this sucker doesn't even understand. The word no is not in his vocabulary, and it, it, it's At kind of funny. All. Meaning no. figure out a way? I don't even know. I don't know what Regardless do. I, of resources? I, I think JT is going to end up punching him in the face <laughs> at some point because he, he'll look at you Good. and say, well, I don't get it. Hey, what do you mean we don't have $400,000 to recruit? Hey, Steve Kerr got punched in the face. Yeah, oh, look, you probably punch Coach Silva, and he'd be like, all right, good. We're getting somewhere. This is progress. We're moving forward. Yeah, this is That's progress. exactly right. So no can, can you expand? I don't know if it's something you can expand on. Tell us about the coaching search, not just with him. Are you allowed to talk about oh, yeah, candidates? I can talk, just, now that we have, now that we have yeah. a, a hired uh, coach. So, there, there was so much rumor going there around. There was so much. and uh, So it was crazy because it was at the time that my dad was really sick. That's right. My dad had just passed. And when he passed, I went to Florida for five days that we already had planned. And so the crazy part is, is that I'm getting phone calls that there's a coach who I've hired. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm like, reading, I'm reading it. <laughs> and I'm looking at my wife and I'm going, who hired him? Like, somebody's going to get in trouble when I get back, right? <laughs> well, that's when you've reached celebrity status. That's what celebrities say. They read stuff about themselves all the time and they're like, what? I never like, said that. Tanner, don't look, we just hired two lanes, coach. Just <laughs> note, UNO coach, Canazero. Uh, Canazero. And uh, the Tulane coach was up for the job. Yep. And, um, and I'm just sitting there going, I haven't talked to anybody. I called Canazero and I said, I got your number from your athletic director. I want to introduce myself since I've already hired you. And he busted <laughs> out laughing. And I just said, I would like to meet with you if you're interested with the job. And so I was honest to everybody that I spoke to. Right. And so we kept going. Down the line, um, people said, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, they said that I offered him the job and he turned it down. I don't think there was anything that hurt me more than when he said, I'm declining the offer to take the job and then hit Twitter. Because I never offered him to him. Yeah. You can ask anybody who was around. I didn't offer him the job. I said, I have to go through a process. I really like our interview. Most people go, you just need to hire him because of who he was. For me, I was going through a process because it was my first time. And it was very, very important that I get it right. And if it would have been him, then I would have got it right, but I was going through the process, right? Uh, very maybe, first one. Well, maybe you see a character flaw on Twitter. Maybe he wasn't the right <laughs> guy. <laughs> right, and so you go through. We had some good people on campus. I called Mike Silva when I was in Texas and he was actually 30 minutes away from me. We didn't meet, but I called him and I just said, Coach, when I get back, I would like to talk to you. And so I called him. We talk about talking. I just go, man, you know what? After talking to him for 30 minutes, I'm like, I think you need to come down to Thibodeau. He was on his way recruiting somewhere. I turned around, went home, grabbed his bag, and got to Thibodeau. Okay? And I'm thinking, this dude wants to be a head coach. And we got in that office, and I am telling you it was on so His energy. Well, tell me this. Same interview process. What did you see? What did you like so much that brought him here? You know, the biggest thing for me is that he had been in smaller places. And he knew what, what he was working with with us. And so you talk about where we want to go. And you have to have a fit. You can't tippy-toe in Thibodeau because we... Yeah. <laughs> we'll throw you we'll kick you right out, bro. Oh, yeah. You tip, tip your toe around here. We'll, we'll give you Nobody feasts on their own like <laughs> you. <laughs> it's 
so eat them up, spit them out. The biggest thing was that our conversation, I could have stayed in that room. I, I might have stayed in there for two hours, y'all. Like we were just going. He won't stop asking questions Mm-mm. ever. Okay, he just kept asking, what about this? What about that? What about this? Give me an example of a good question. So he, he just asked, like, what does it cost to run a baseball team here at Nickel State University? Well, I didn't run the baseball team. So I knew what our budget was. That's not what he was asking me. He was asking me to run a successful program. What will it cost me? You see what I'm saying? So he was digging way deeper, which made me dig deeper. Orthogonal, yeah. Yes, yes. It was a really good communication. When he was leaving, I wanted him, like I had a feeling, like I was like, that's my guy. I did say this. I said to him, I said to Matt, when I called you, I said, this dude is just like you, man. I don't know. <laughs> I I, no, I think you said he was worse. I said, I, I said, Matt, I am telling you, when y'all two meet, I, there better be some cushion in that room because you two are going to be like bulls <laughs> in a china cabinet. Yeah, well, no, well it, it happened that way. Stayed over there late one night. You know, trying to go through same thing. How do we pack the stands? How, because look, that's, baseball's boring, man. You know, it's getting to that point where truly, it's it. like you've got to find it a way to make it an ancillary event. For me, if I had kids, I'm going. Okay, can I have a state of the art playground? Great. Now I got a built in babysitter. Might as well go watch some baseball in the background. I want a dog park. I want a splash park. I want all this stuff that costs so much money. We got to figure out how to get it. Right. But get these suckers in there, and then we hook them. Baseball is a sport where 94% of the time, there is no action. <laughs> say, say that again. <laughs> Only 6% of the time that you're sitting there watching a baseball game, is there any action whatsoever? So you know I'm ADD. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just want to make sure right. that everybody gets that the 94% of the time, I am like losing my mind. Well, Until co- the 8th. It's close. <laughs> I'm like, let's lock in. Let's get a W here. Well, and coaches will tell you, nowadays these kids that they're recruiting, they don't even watch baseball anymore because of what I just said, because they need that pop, 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 Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. They want it fast, fast, fast. They're watching highlights. They won't sit and watch a game. So right. they don't know the nuances of the, the pickoff play. The pickoff should be a, a snap snap. It shouldn't be a walk back to first because that's how you know you can take a little bit bigger of a lead. That's a little nuance you gather from watching a lot of baseball. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have that. So you're coaching the, in a way that you would coach 12- and 13-year-olds. You don't know what they don't know when you get them, and they don't know a lot because they're not watching the game. That is such a great perspective. I'm not kidding. Like, even for me, like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, man, I'm going to do better <laughs> because 94% of the time, there's no action. Yeah. I've but never... look, you, you know the one thing that always brings people there? Ws. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You start winning, they're coming. And it does get fun, but we got to bring some energy and make everything around it so much fun that we're going to watch a little baseball in the process. That's right. But, again, I'm going back to those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights down here. He, I'm saying this, I'm thinking out there on a Tuesday night, and I'm jumping now to the Cancer Center at Tibbetta Regional, Tibbetta Regional, what it's done for here, and I get really pissed off, all right? I'll see people come in on social media or doing a conversation, and it's like they're not comprehending what an animal and a monster Tibbetta Regional is. Did you happen to see six months ago, I wish I had the article with me, there was an economist that came in, and all he could talk about was what an anomaly. How, basically, how in the hell did that end, end up, up in, in Thibodeau? Thibodeau? Ain't no doubt I saw it. And all the, I got children now talking because you know what? For all the haters out there, we housed how many people, how many other hospitals for hurricanes? And people were bitching. You have a right to bitch, but I'm not mad at you for bitching. I'm just saying, take a step back and think where your community would be without them. And by the way, that cancer center that you can see from the baseball field, it looks like the damn Acropolis in Greece. Unbelievable. Right? But yep. here's the deal. Your dad just passed away, right? Yep. So did my brother. You know what they died of? Cancer. Cancer. That's right. Cancer's gigantic business. And there, there's nothing wrong or cruel about saying that. It is what it is. Right. And when I go last night and see the line at Raising Cane's going all the way to McDonald's, my brother, my parents spent a lot of money in Houston. That's We're right. going to keep that here now with the state-of-the-art facility because unfortunately no. here in South Louisiana, Louisiana in general, we are always in the bottom three in every Dog shit health statistic there is. We're in the bottom three every single year, right? Yep. It's a mindset. Look, there's nothing wrong with living life how you want to. I'm not judging you. 
I'm not judging you at all. I don't care how you live it. Don't judge me either. Right. But you know what I mean? I'm not, you want to eat fast food every day? That's on you. I am not mad at you. Truly. I'm just saying, what I know is that that center is a monster. You want to talk about economics? Watch what's about to happen here. Watch the hotels that pop up. Watch what it does directly for Nickel State University. No doubt. Look at, look at what you just referenced. Not only that, Mr. Bookvault, thank God for him, yep. doing no. what he's doing. Then yeah. he's doing it again right yeah. after. And then you compound that with this state-of-the-art facility we left this morning at the gym. Sun was up, and you could see the bleachers were being. I, mean, dude, I get chills when I drive by. unbelievable, and it's I gotta happening stop in the backyard, by. and people, you don't have to. You can. There's okay with disagreeing with people. I understand philosophies. But dang, let's just step back and, and be grateful that this sucker's here and not somewhere else. Because let me t- the next 20 years are even more crucial. No doubt. Just start watching what happens when people stop going to MD Anderson. And they stay their butts right, right here. here. You know, I, I called you bitching about Walgreens one day because I couldn't believe <laughs> that we had the Manning Passing Academy and the town was filthy. There is no, there's no excuse for that to me. This was not a hurricane. Even if it was, I still don't care. Somebody should have been going around monitoring everywhere. We could have lost. We probably lost people because of the condition, the trash everywhere. So, for instance, I passed the other day coming around Percy Brown, where Dr. Tyler's house is, a big old mansion. Oh, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And all I see is trash in the ditch. And I'm thinking, dang, students coming in from Homa, is that the responsibility, and I don't know this, I'm asking, of Dr. Clune to get on the phone with someone saying, guys, clean this place up. I'm not here to dog Dr. Clune no, by any no, stretch. Right. I, don't, I really don't know what the answer is, but I'm appalled at what we see on the parish lines from Terrebonne and Lafourche as it goes right into Nickel State. State. I'm like, that's, right. a, that's a direct reflection of us. Why does nobody else care about this? Why are those same inmates that would love to be outside and earn some good time? Doing Why is there a piece of trash on the ground, man? What's Johnny Fraternity doing on Tuesday afternoon? He's drunk. <laughs> Not on Tuesday afternoon. Maybe. Well, maybe, maybe so. But you know, you, you say that, and I can tell you this. All Dr. Kuhn talks about is entering campus and what it should look like. And just because everything is about the first, your first drive into it, right? We try to have as many people on campus as we want. How do you, how do you even enter campus? Do you come up 24? Do you come the long way? Do you come up LA-1 or 308 because it doesn't, doesn't look that great? Or do you come up LA-1 because now that we're doing something with the Bayou, Bingo. that people are going, this is such a beautiful drive. Like that means everything to him because he knows that aesthetics and that how important that is to not just the community, but for people who are coming and stepping in to our campus for the very first time. Look, and it may be employees that you guys are trying to hire. That stuff matters, man. And we're this, we're close. And that's why I'm so adamant. We are, we are getting in every building we can get our hands on downtown because I see how Nichols connects with Bayou Lafouche. I'm watching what's happening now that our good friend, Mr. Marlboro had the weir removed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a big deal. It is a very big deal. My favorite part about Italy when I went was Venice. Uh, the fact that you go back in time 100 years and all the commerce was done by boat. That's not crazy to think one day in the very, very near future that you couldn't transport up and down from Grand Isle to Donisonville. We have a culinary school here that Ooh. I personally feel like is completely underutilized. Again, I'm not here to bash anybody. Right. I'm not saying I can do a better job. I'm just saying... I've had the food that these kids cook. It's freaking outstanding. Believable. And it's unique. Yep. It it signifies our culture, and I can't understand why we haven't implemented as a city the first launching ground for kids to go before they go to the next job to where you don't have to have a million in capital to start your dream. Why don't we have a building that's dedicated to a culinary school to students as an incentive to come here, and all of a sudden we provide your booths inside for, say, $500 a month. We can subsidize that some way, somehow, to get them going. And not only that, you got a constant rotation of good food. We want them coming in and out. It's their launching pad, but it's where you learn. You know how I learned about jury trials? I jumped in and had one. You ha- had no clue. The lady was supposed to try the case, and so we didn't even show up. But I won. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. You just got to do it. Sure. You can't expect them to do it if you need 200 grand, a million dollars to get started. That's not practical. It's not real. I see all these little things, and man, it is this close, and it keeps me up at night going, how do we put the axe in them? Because if you don't cooperate, we're just going to do it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I, you kind of know I, about I, that. I know. <laughs> I was trying to save that for last. <laughs> I, I do know. <laughs> just do it. Nike, 
right? Nike. <laughs> One thing I'm real curious about is I know that JT was in medical device sales prior to yes. getting yep. into athletics. Yeah. How, does, how does that transition even happen? Yeah, so as crazy as it sounds, if you think about sales and you think about what we do in athletics, it's about people. And it's about building relationships and building trust. And so the very first thing that I knew that I had to do when I took the job was, even though these people knew me, they didn't know me as the athletic director. They knew me as JT, the dude who comes around in the scrubs and hangs out and helps us do raise money and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> this guy behind the scenes like, what in the hell does he do? That, that, that's what I, I mean, you know, and... I'm trying that, to be that guy now. Right? <laughs> the guy that you see at 2 a.m. Uh, pressure washing the stadium <laughs> before, before we had the inmates, I was that guy. <laughs> and so me and my wife. So you have to gain the trust, right? And I, all, the first thing I said to them, I said, hey, guys, this job is not that hard. The hard part is the stuff that we sometimes can't control. But as far as people, it's what it's all about. And so um, I think that was my knack is in building relationships, building trust, making sure people feel like they were apart all the time, no matter what you were. Our custodial staff might get more high fives and daps from me than most people in the, in the room. And it's because I want everybody in that place to understand their worth. And so I think that was a skill that I had when I was in medical device sales. Um, I would go and talk to people couldn't understand this and I'll tell the secret. I would speak to the janitor when I was the number one sales rep in the country. In, at Zoe Medical, they got up and spoke about me. And the one thing that my boss said was, I couldn't understand why he spent five minutes speaking to the custodial staff. They told me who was in the cath lab, but they told me who was in the cath lab based on the relationship that I had because I sat and drank coffee with them one day. So they're worth, right? And so they trusted me. And so I knew stuff that other reps never knew. Yeah, but your point of doing that wasn't to be disingenuine. You no. just happened to form a relationship, and because of the goodwill of the relationship forming, the ancillary benefit was well, habits. His habits. He yeah. had the habit of befriending people who may be lower-level staffers. That led to a... That led to that. And it would happen when if they didn't know anybody, or they did, right? But that was part of it, and I think that was the habit and the gift that I... That I got blessed by God by it and I bring it to our staff and that's the transferable skill is and I sell I am a I, I'm a salesman I, I made Matt do something that he didn't want to do and he was mad at me multiple <laughs> anyway <laughs> this is a golf court but but isn't that the truth every day aren't you always selling yourself in every capacity every every day all the time, that's what you do. Yeah. It, Somebody's uh, always watching. That's right. Same thing with us, man. And if you're not, you don't really have the edge. I don't know how to explain it, but it's the way you keep yourself up. The, the, the reason that you may get to a gym, you're constantly got to be ahead of the game. But I feel like every day I've got to, not that I'm trying to, I have to sell myself. It is, it's I, just built in. My, my, my son, and I know he won't be able to listen to this, so I'll tell y'all this, is that he, is, uh, he has a gift, Okay. To one, make everybody who's next to him feel good. But you know old, where he got that from. Right. Old or young, right? He, the old ladies at church give him $20 just because <laughs> he hugged them and said hello, right? And he's like, no, I don't want your money. I was just trying to be. He has a gift that I always tell him to make sure that you do everything that you can to work really hard in school. But the gift that God that gave you will get you everywhere you need to in life. Beautiful. That's true, though, man. And look, you have that same ability. You've got the ability to go in and make people feel very receptive. Very, you, you welcome them. Your presence can make them feel wanted, if that makes sense, immediately. And it's genuine. I don't have it. People, you know. You do. You do. You, well, look, you, I'll be, I'll give an example. People want to be around you. I'll, yesterday, it may be a different way. People may want to be around for a different reason. I get to the gym. Things have been nuts right now. But sure. I'm tired of work and hurricane work, I can't breathe. Right. And I'm good with it. I'm not complaining. I go sure. to the gym before I can put down my keys. I'm with my buddy walking in. Can I talk to you five minutes? I said, no. Right? Matt's a dick. No, he's not, man. I said, I will call you in the morning first thing. But just right now, I just want to be me. And I'm sorry to say that. I didn't mean it that way. 
I'm misunderstood about that. I didn't mean to be some jerk. I'm not better than you. But you know what? I didn't feel like talking to you right there. I've been talking all day. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you or anybody. If Jesus walked in, I wouldn't want to talk to him. <laughs> no, I think, you know, you know what? So it's, the hap- it's that happy, it's the balance, right? Because there's so much of that that uh, my brother would say, they will take all of you and leave you with nothing if you let them. Okay? And so it's so fair to say because you will just continue to give yourself and give yourself and never have any time for yourself. My wife says, I give everybody the best of me and she gets the rest of me. She told me that probably about 10 years ago when I I was like, holy shit. Like, I felt bad. It's true. I get it. Like, and she said, but I understand what you do all day. That's right. Right? I'm always on. It's, it, it is. That's a good way to put it. It's an on button. And I'm, I'm not, you're trying to save the world and do everything you can. And I overwhelm myself. No doubt. All the time. That's my fault. That's and on me. Yeah, it is. That's, that's 100, <laughs> 99% of what I do wrong is on me. At the end of the day, I'll say it every single time. But I tend to work myself up about it and get to a point and I explode and I'm done with it. But then I have to look back and say, hey, dumbass, you know who did that to you? You, you did. You wanted to be there, there, and there. You wanted to do X, Y, and Z, and you just can't do it all. No. But I want, I want you all to both hear something right now. Uh, one of my, my very, I get this sent to me once a month by somebody, I feel like. But it's David Goggins. This is my favorite, and I think y'all, y'all love you it. You want to be great? You want to be the best motherfucker ever at what you do? You're going to be misunderstood by everybody because you're going to be so fucking obsessed and so driven to get there. That's what it takes. That's the truth. It takes every second of your fucking life. Anybody says balance? Yeah, balance is important for a lot of fucking people. It is. But if you want to fucking go to that edge where people do not like you, don't understand you, question everything you fucking do, you, you've arrived. If you want to be... So, I literally get that. I swear to you. I've gotten it three times in probably the last two months. I'm thinking, God damn, this portion about you not liking me. But it's true. I don't care if you understand me or not. I know me. And when I get that locked in and that possessed, things get neglected, people get neglected, relationships get neglected, but it don't matter. I know my intention, and I'm good with that. Right. Well, the last time you were on my podcast, I said, what do you think people think of us, Matt? Because we're hard-driven sort of guys. You said, I I think people think we're fucking weird. And I, I think that's probably true. Oh, they do. Two things I want to touch on that you guys talked about. With regard to sales... What I tell young people is it's just as important that you sell internally as externally. And what I mean by that is as soon as you take the job, you introduce yourself to people in different departments, not just the heads of different departments, but the people in those departments. You shake their hand. You tell them when you walk away, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. And they'll rebut. They'll say something like, well, Brad, uh, what can I do? I'm new. It doesn't matter. The law of reciprocity says you planted a seed that says I'm willing to do something for you. You will need them at some point Boy, to get a deal me. done. Yep. So your job is to sell just as much internally as externally. I came from a software sales, sales background. It was primarily engineers in medical device sales. It's going to be, who was it internally? Yeah. Who'd yeah, you need? Was, oh, so we, we call them account coordinators. You needed those guys. Un, and you know, I'm listening to you say that. I, the best relationship, and people always want to know why I got my systems first. Like, so we had systems that were shipped in, right? And so people wouldn't ship them to their house. They would ship them to, they would ship them from home office to a storage like UPS. You have to go to UPS, get the system, go to the hospital. Mine was shipped to my door. They were shipped to my door because the young lady that I spoke to every day, I treated like, like she was, like she was the boss. It was because of the respect that she had a job of, her, of helping nine to ten people. They treated her like, you owe me something. And I treated her like, what can I do for you to help you make this job easy? So going out of your way, that is so true. I went to home office four times a year. I went to home office with gifts. In service, absolutely. In service. Because of what they, because I can't do my job good without them. And then what happens is your boss says, do you know James Terrell in, in marketing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I introduced myself to him the first week I got oh, here. I've got a relationship with him. Yeah, what do you need? Whew, your <laughs> stock ri- will rise fast. Another quick story. I got a call last week or a text from a buddy of mine, a good buddy who you know, 
said, I'm struggling with something. You got 20 minutes? I said, yeah, of course I do. We get on the phone. He said, I was on the one-yard line headed to the big leagues next year, and I pretty much just got fired. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, 18 of the 21 hitters that I coached last year improved their batting average. I sent several of them to the big leagues. As you know, he would send the videos to me of them getting called up, which are the most chill-bumping things you'll ever see in your life. These kids would write him dissertations about how much they loved him, how much they appreciated him. He would get told by staff, you're going to be in the big leagues. You're going to be in the big leagues. Next thing you know, he's no longer a hitting coach. He said, I'm struggling. I said, you remember that book I gave you back when we were about 26 called The 48 Laws of Power? And he said, yeah. I said, you you came back the next Friday to my house because he would come over about every Friday and we'd, we'd talk books that we were reading and then we'd go to the bar and chase Taylor, whatever we did at that age. He gave it back to me and he said, I can't read it. And I said, why not? He said, because I got to be genuine. I've got to be sincere. And a lot of this book, I find it to be manipulative and conniving and it's all about power. I'm not all about power. I'm, I'm a servant leader. Hmm. I said, Chase, that book wasn't about you. That book was about dealing with people who are like that. And that's what you're finally facing in the real world. Let me send you that book. Wow. Damn, you didn't tell me all that. <laughs> that, is, that is strong. And I'm going to share a book with you that I just got. And I'm in the middle of reading it right now. And it's called Servant Leadership. I would love that. Yes. Who's the author? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> a lot of times you don't know because you read on a Kindle. I never you do. You yeah. He I, does. It's a, real, it's a real book that somebody sent me, and I started reading it on the airplane the other day, and I, I had to make myself stop because I, I got work to do. It's good. Good. Look, every time I read one, I, the only reason to look at the author, because he's going to know. <laughs> and God, if, if I'm going to send him something, I, I just have a sneaking suspicion I better be prepared to say who wrote it right right but he's uh, Bradley's got a memory of it it's ridiculous oh, the man. things that he remembers well, the capital of Djibouti is Djibouti yeah, yeah no <laughs> <laughs> I love that so yeah. anyway this was a fun one I don't know if we're ever going to top this one through the God knows how many more we do no I, but we will get Coach Rebo on <laughs> Have a, we're going to have some fun with him. That would be, be a good one, man. I, one last thing I did want to ask, because it, it impacted so many young guys. Why did you and Brooks Wallace feel compelled to talk about the Alton Sterling situation in Baton Rouge? So Brooks Wallace is uh, a young man who uh, is a dear friend of mine who lives down the street, Brooks, I say young man, Brooks is a year younger than me, but I like to call him young man. Uh, his, yeah, right, he is, uh, um, his grandfather, uh, Reverend Wallace, uh, was, you know, the Wallace Center in Raceland? It's named after Brooks's grandfather. All right. Right when you're coming through, uh, right past the little schools, the Wallace Center. Uh, Brooks is a regional manager for a pharmaceutical sales company, was told no 28 times. And kept and kept fighting to be a rep. There was only two black reps at the time. It was me and Brooks in no the kidding. territory. Yeah, and so that's how we connected. I didn't know who he was, and he didn't know who I was. This is this is a true story, and I want the podcast to hear this. Is that Brooks walks in to an office, and they go, "JT, we didn't know you were coming today," and he goes, uh, "I'm not JT," and they said, "Oh, you're the other one." <laughs> So I'm not making this shit up. That's the God to honest truth. Brooks can sit right there and fall out loud. We tell that story all the time to show where we come from because we had to separate ourselves. And we wore a suit every day, no matter how hot it was. And we promised to be successful, not just for us, but so that the next young African-American male would have an opportunity to be in sales. But anyway... So you wore a suit every day in the medical field. Or are you talking about when I was in when I was selling pharmaceutical sales? Yeah, I wore I wore a suit every day. Would not it was like oh Pat I wouldn't listen. It'd be a hundred degrees, bro, and I would look at him like, want to break it today? <laughs> 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 but, but we never did. And uh, so uh, really, really 
close and, and tighten it. And um, we went to Nichols, is what you're talking about. We went talk to him about what happened in Baton Rouge. And I think it was so powerful for me because me and Brooks have very deep conversations, probably like you and Matt do. And one thing that he said is when I called him, I said, hey, I said, coach wants us to come and maybe and talk to the team if it's if it's a chance. Rebo? Yep. And uh, he goes, um, man, you know I'm not really good at that because he speaks his mind, right? He's like, he's saying what he's saying. Like, you sure you want me? And I said, yeah, for sure. I want, I want, he wants us to come. So I got up and I was uh, speaking about surviving the situation. And we've talked about it over and over again. It was the scariest thing for me is that I have a now 13-year-old son. And the one thing that I would always say at seven was, I can't help you if you're dead. And so we talk about surviving the situation. And it has to do a lot with respect, right? And I know that, you know, I had this somebody tell me this the other day. Well, the way that they talked to me, and I said, was it an adult? And it was like, yes. And I said, so it was an authority. And they said, yes. And I said, so ever thought about saying yes, ma'am? Because I always tell, and this kid, I feel like I'm, God has commissioned me now to have to try to save him. He's one of Jacob's friends, and I know he has a tough life. And my deal to him was, uh, Jacob says that I tell him all the time because I tell him, if it's a cop, I'm not sure how this turns out because they have a job to do. And if you are sitting there mouthing off, disrespecting, doing all of this other stuff, then it, it's, not a, it's not a good move, right? And so we know that sometimes that don't matter. I get that. But give yourself a chance. So you're incorporating surviving the situation with preventing the situation. No doubt. And look, I think that bo- I see both sides probably more than most around here for sure. I'm, and I've, I've seen some BS, don't yeah. get me wrong, on both I, sides. Yeah. Totally. And some of that is, like you said, sometimes you can't prevent it. But there's so many times also that you could. And if there's a little hybrid of both, it goes back to speaking of the hybrid. I think that law enforcement everywhere, not just here, should be so much more involved with the mm-hmm. community outside of police work. I'm not dogging those guys. I'm just saying, be proactive. Go make friends. You'd be surprised how much that next encounter changes because now you trust somebody a little bit more. And then you get respected more as a cop because you were cool before for no reason at all. I, Matt, I, it's, so, it's, it's funny that you say that. This same kid that I'm talking about, right, and I looked at him and I said, I yell at you. I said, I yell at you all the time. I yell at you, and I, I said, and I get in your face. I said, what do you do? And he goes, I say, yes, sir. I said, why? And he said, well, because I know you, and I know you care about me. Yep. Struck me, right? Like, I'm like, fair enough. Like, I don't really have a comeback for that. But my deal was to him is that as a, if, if you, as, a, uh, as policemen, cops, if they're out, and those people know that, that you care. If you're out hanging out with them, we say this all the time in government circle, we have a high five, right? Mm-hmm. And we have, that, we have cops come by all the time because Chief Zerang is part of, the, a part of the deal. We have them come by all the time. When they see Chief Zerang out, do, do they, they don't run. Right. Right? Because they have a relationship. That's exactly right. And so I think that it goes both ways that if you have an opportunity to build a relationship... Think about the days. It doesn't happen anymore. Think about the days when we used to play basketball and we used to play against the cops. We, they used to have a game. We had it in Slidell. We had it at Vanderbilt Catholic that the cops would come and play us teachers. And kids would come in. And after the game, they're sitting there talking to the cops. Jacob's whole life, he wanted to be a cop. He loved cops. And I said loved. Just hear this out. He turns 10 years old. So that's about the time that we have the Alton deal, right? I think it's probably about maybe four. He might have been nine. And we were walking through Rouse's. The copy always speaks to, he says hey to, but he doesn't run up and hug him. Okay? So I'm just like, oh, no, you know, you know, Calvin, you know, everybody, you know, go up, whatever. 
uh, we have an incident in Lamar where they kick my family off of the sidelines. You know, I have all of my credentials, but they kick, I'm going to go ahead and end, end with this. They kick us off the sideline. Me, my wife, and my three kids. You were AD at the time? I was not. I was just uh, a fan. Yeah. With my sideline passes, everything you need. Matt was AD at the time. Cop walks off and walks up and goes, y'all need to leave. I go out. I said, hey, if it's because of sideline passes. I said, girls, pull your sideline passes out. I said, the little rope they gave them fell, so I made them put it in their pocket. No, sir, you need to leave. You need to get back in the stands. Matt Porsche will tell you this is life-changing for him. Matt was next to me, and he says, why aren't y'all asking me to leave? And he said, sir, mind your business. Y'all need to leave. Come on. Okay. So I lose my cool after I just tell my son, how do you treat cops and authority? He pulls on my leg, and he says these words that was life-changing for me. Dad, don't get us shot. He was eight. The tear that fell down my face and I walked up in the stands, it was like, listen, Matt, I was so mad that I wanted everybody dead. I'm going to tell you that I was that, I wanted like, I had blood coming through me because I was so mad. Matt Porsche would tell you today when people say, um, no, that's not racism anymore. That's not, Matt Porsche would tell you right now, he would go, dude, I watched it and they walked right by me like I was nothing. Right? You know- yeah, that, that's, that's pathetic, man. It, there's no doubt that it's alive, it's well. Look, I, I get torn all the time because I see a lot of bullshit with it too that's completely inflated. And then I'm saying, I also know of stories where I've seen footage. Uh, it, it's right there in front of your face. Right in front of your face. They don't get to see it. I see it. But, but so I, 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 just think, ah, I, don't know. I just think that you have those conversations and what we were drawn to is when you talk about preventing the situation – and survive in the situation. You, ha- you have to be but, able to do that. But think about that, though. All of a sudden, you throw a right cross. Don't know what happens. You have no idea what happens. Yeah, I'd be. I would and, have been. I'm glad I, saw, I wasn't Matt Porsche. That we, that we would have would have brought. And I'm glad it was Matt, right? Because yeah, he's because the most so level. Right, he's right. If it's you, we're not a punch him immediately. Like there's no telling. I'm serious. Like I've never been. My son-in-law. Darius was so mad and he was just and I and they were waiting like I'm always cool right and when they saw me and when that dude and he when he grabbed me and I looked down and he said don't get a shot and the tear fell out of my and I and I went oh my god oh my god this is what this kid is thinking because I'm yelling at the cop and I just said you have to be respectful to cops and authority and I'm acting an ass right with I would call it I was poked and they poked the bear Right, oh, they poked the bear on something that was, and then came back to say, well, "Hey, my, my bad," because I told him you're gonna get somebody else to get me off the field. I was just gonna ask you how this. So, so this is how it is. Did they apologize? Did, did anything? Absolutely not. Is there ever a reason? He walks up, and I said, "I said you are gonna go find somebody else to get me off this field," and he said, "I'm gonna remove you off of the field," and that's when I said, "You need to, right? I'm gonna get us in trouble." I leave. This is doing a football game. People in the stands are like, what in the hell is JT doing down there? So he comes back and he says to me a few minutes later, hey, you can come to the field. I was wrong. And I said, fuck you and your field. I ain't coming back down there. If I come back down there, I'm kicking your ass, right? right? I lose it. And the whole time, Jacob is sitting there in tears. And so I'm really mad because... Because I lost it. And this is what I told this young man the other day. He said, what makes you the most upset? The same kid I was fussing at about when authority starts yelling at you and all of this stuff. The thing that makes me most upset is when I lose my cool because they have control of me. Bingo. Some of the hardest, some of the, some of the most reflective time in my life is when I get to an edge and I cannot believe that somebody mentally... They got me. Broke me. Oh, Matt. I look, I've read some situations where I'm going, what? You didn't think about this stuff. You know how many times I flopped the handle and punched somebody? Nope. I mean, and you're like, what? What was I what thinking? I, I couldn't just let it go, could I? I, I couldn't. I know. But hey, it is what it is. You have to reflect on it. Learn from your... We do. Learn from your mistakes. And hopefully, obviously, you're teaching your kid the right way, but that's some bullshit. I, that's, I'm surprised that... It's a learned lesson, though, man. My yeah. dad says that... 
you, you, you always have a learning opportunity. Well, in mine, unfortunately, the, my, my best way of learning is getting my ass kicked in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Never fails. The mistakes <coughs> I've learned from are always the hardest ones. It's not these little ones. I'm like, ooh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes, it's going to cost me. <laughs> I didn't lose. I learned. I didn't lose. I did I lose, but at least I learned something from it. Right. Well, can I say something else? I know you wanted to close on that. And we talked about the loss of emotional control and how we can learn from it. But something else I think we learned from your story is the ability of a salesperson to tell a story and present ideas in a way that could really impact young lives and change their lives for the better, change the culture for the better. We need more salespeople transitioning into positions like you have, because that was very powerful. I mean, I'm, I got a little verklempt, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it that way. That is a great point, especially in your position that usually the academias are lifelong positions and you're bringing this new blood in from a completely different perspective. I never looked at it that way. That's a good point. You know, you know what people, here's, here's the difference, honestly, and I said this in my meeting today. So everybody is talking about what's happening in the conference and all of these things that are happening in the world and all of this stuff. And they, people are making moves and changes for their next job, right? Like, so when, when, when you make a move into a certain conference, when you make a decision to be heard like I am on this podcast, it, it, somebody might hear this and say, man, we need that guy here or we need this. I'm in Thibodeau, Louisiana for the rest of my life. And my dream job is Nickel State University. I don't just say that to say, oh, but if somebody calls me, you can ask my wife. This is it. So this is my job. So I don't look at it. It's because of the passion that I have for this place. I don't look at it so I can go, where am I going next? I could do that in sales. This is about benefiting. And make a lot more money. Oh, and that's the truth. <laughs> about benefiting a student athlete, our community, and our university. No, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, that's why we're so glad to have you. And I feel the same way about revitalizing downtown. It's no not doubt. about, I don't even know if I can make money doing it. I don't care. I'm doing it. Oh, I know you. It, it's not, it's too important, man. And it helps Nichols. It helps us. And I got to live here. That's I'm right. not going anywhere either, whether I like it or not, or whether, more importantly, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I'm kind of stuck. stuck. And you stuck with me. You stuck with me, buddy. So we might as well help each other out along the way and, and look there's a lot of other t people I've talked to about downtown that feel the same way and a lot of people that feel the same way about Nichols and then we got the hospital right in the middle so we are we're hot right now yeah man and it is the time I'm watching a closing table people moving I mean they're piling in the sucker there's no there's no doubt so anyway JT pleasure having you uh, I, I have the utmost respect for you I appreciate that you like uh, this weird father figure who's really not much older than me and has <laughs> right? a certain power over me where I'm like eh, I'm like no I'm fighting this because I'm wrong but whatever sure no. that won't change right? anytime soon <laughs> and I'm good with it but no yeah I, it's fine you and Brad, I appreciate y'all man I appreciate y'all having me seriously guys this was fun thank yeah. you no this was a good time and if y'all want to have me again i'd love to talk more shit <laughs> i will talk we will see each other again on half court handing out nachos no, that's exactly that's right. my cheese <laughs> nacho cheese <laughs> <laughs> awesome